My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Gillian Mueller and Tony Tran. It may not be quite as true as it was a generation ago, but the fact is that Canada's television and film industry is really white. Put another way, black people, indigenous people, and people of color, sometimes referred to collectively by the abbreviation BIPOC, continue to face major barriers within the industry. This is true for the actors that we see who bring stories to life, this is true of the stories themselves and the writers who create them, And it's true through all of the many facets of the industry that those of us who consume TV and movies never see and rarely think about. According to today's guests, there are a lot of reasons why this is the case. For one thing, it remains an industry in which who you know has a great deal to do with who gets funding and who gets hired. This makes racist funding and hiring practices self-perpetuating. White people were more likely to be funded and hired in the past, so those doing the funding and hiring already know them and are more likely to send resources their way in the future. As well, many of the ways that people have gained experience and, as the saying goes, paid their dues in the industry in the past, have been premised on having access to some other source of money, which is disproportionately less true of BIPOC people. And even when all else is equal, there's plenty of data related to employment more generally showing that BIPOC people face more barriers to getting hired and more obstacles on the job. And when it comes to deciding what stories to tell, stories that resemble those that have been told many times before and that feel familiar to the mostly white decision-makers are more likely to get a go-ahead than non-stereotypical stories grounded in BIPOC lives. Gillian Mueller has a long history of working in the TV and film industry as a crew member, particularly as an assistant director, and these days she primarily works as a screenwriter. Tony Tran is an actor and writer, and he aspires to one day be a showrunner. Both are involved in BIPOC TV and Film, a grassroots organization of black, indigenous, and people of color from all sectors of the industry that is dedicated to increasing BIPOC representation both behind and in front of the camera. Mueller is on the group's visioning committee and looks after communications and outreach, while Tran runs the group's social media. A lot of what the group does involves hosting events to support BIPOC people in the industry. This includes various kinds of trainings and workshops, They also host gatherings for members to get to know each other, panels and speaking events related to the industry, and also networking sessions where members have a chance to get to know more senior people in the industry. As well, the group engages in advocacy. They've been working with various unions and guilds in the industry to address barriers faced by BIPOC workers. They've been working with other kinds of organizations to push back against barriers related to funding and hiring. And they've been active in supporting a project called FilmInColor.ca, a one-stop database of BIPOC people in all parts of the industry at all levels of experience. As is true in so many areas, the ongoing continent-wide uprising against anti-black racism and police brutality has opened up important new space to make change. Organizations across Canada's TV and film industry that have been dragging their feet on these issues for years are now scrambling to do something, or at least to be seen as doing something. 
BIPOC TV and Film is redoubling its advocacy efforts, and Mueller and Tran are hopeful that the changes that are in their early stages now will mean that in a few years' time there will be much more BIPOC representation throughout the industry, and also that all of us get to enjoy a much wider range of stories in the TV and film that we watch. I speak with Mueller and Tran about Canada's TV and film industry, about the underrepresentation of BIPOC people, and about the work of BIPOC TV and film. My name is Tony Tran. I am an actor, writer, and hopeful showrunner. Happy Pride, by the way. I remember I was in this one-year theater program and asked my professor, hey, is there any room for Asian to the industry? And he said, yeah, keep going. So I tried to get into the industry as an actor. That went kind of slow, to be honest, because as I predicted, there wasn't much work for me there. And so I started writing and writing opened up for me in a way like I could, you know, as they say, like make your own stories, create my own narrative, et cetera, et cetera. And that led me into meeting other creators. And that made me also realize like acting is not enough. I have to create more. I have to make opportunities for myself and for possible future generations. And so somehow that led me into thinking, okay, this is not enough for me either. I want creative control. I want to be a showrunner. And that led me to BIPOC TV and Film. BIPOC TV and Film is a grassroots organization that focuses on Black, Indigenous, and people of color in the Canadian TV and film industry. They have everyone. They have writers, directors, producers, actors, editors, crew members, anyone you can think of in the industry. And they provide amazing workshops, resources. They have a fantastic mandate and they push for great initiatives. One of the first ones I went to was a combination of real Asian film festival and them. Mm -hmm. And so we got to meet a bunch of amazing, more advanced people in the industry. And they gave so much great insights. I think looking back, that's the first time we've seen that many Asians in a room in the industry trying to break like our bamboo ceiling and you know, <laughs> get the money. I'm Jillian Mueller and I'm a screenwriter and old school Toronto film crew member. I graduated from Ryerson Film School in the year 2000, right when the industry was dealing with a pretty big shift in how it was funding. And my generation of filmmaker kind of slipped through the cracks between the old telefilm world and the new telefilm world. And so advocacy has been a really big, important part of my life to make sure that the playing field gets leveled a little bit, new voices are being heard. I worked in crew for a very long time, particularly as an assistant director with the Directors Guild of Canada, and made the shift to go back to writing full-time, particularly because over the 10 years that I was an AD, I witnessed a lot of injustice on set and just how difficult it is for anyone to come forward. I met Natalie Younglai, who's the founder of BIPOC TV and Film, and became very involved with fighting the good fight. When I joined, it was a lot about supporting networking and connecting the BIPOC industry together because we're stronger together and we needed a safe space to be able to talk about how difficult the business was and the microaggressions that folks were feeling. I joined their visioning committee a few years ago, and so I've been working as their communications officer. We've been building panels and networking events and workshops for our community to just be better and stronger in the business. 
And then in the last five years, particularly since the Me Too movement, Pay Up Hollywood, Time's Up, all of the things mm-hmm. that have been happening in the States, we've been incredibly mindful and we've been watching how they've been doing it and doing it our own way over here. And in the last year, we've grown massively. I can't even tell you how essential BIPOC TV and film has been for me personally, just as a grounding force during these crazy times. But it's also a beacon of hope for Mm -hmm. the industry to really do the work and step up and become the place that we know it has the potential to be. A safe space for creative folks to make entertaining stories from every single experience that we have. So I think most of us who enjoy TV and films don't really have much of a clue about how the industry works. So lay out some of the relevant landscape, particularly in terms of challenges and barriers that the organization exists to push back against, but also anything you think that people should know to help understand what we're going to be talking about today. The saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know, is popular for a reason, and it's very, very true in show business. Historically, this business has been run by white, cis, straight men who have employed their friends to create content. But the business grew to be huge. And there's a disconnect between the proportion of mainstream white stories that are being told and the amount of diverse storytellers there are. And so one of the things that BIPOC TV and film works very hard to do is to dismantle the biases that working with anyone other than the people that they know is a scary experience or that folks can't be trusted with budgets Mm -hmm. and schedules if they've never worked with anyone before. We're working to expose an internal bias where young white men have been given many more opportunities to take chances and make mistakes and bounce Mm -hmm. back from failure than other populations across the board. Yeah, and I find that even in film schools, you find that there's a lack of POCs as well. And like, I could speak from the acting side. Like, I find a lot of people saying like, oh my God, but there's like Tim convenience on TV. I'm like, ah, no, it's like a drop (laughs) in a giant bucket of water. And especially we're not even talking about who's behind the scenes, who's writing these POC stories. Like if there's a POC in a show, I don't want them to be a stereotype. And it, it makes less sense for white people to write POC stories. There's not enough nuance. It's not lived experiences. I think those are some of the barriers BIPOC team film wants to work on first. It's like from deep inside the industry where people don't see, like people don't see the writers, the general public doesn't see like the producers who's show running, who's crew, who's recruited, who has power to give people jobs. The barriers themselves are, it's really simple. This is a business that runs fast. And if you can keep up, you can be employed for the rest of your life and make a really amazing living. And if you can't keep up, then it's like they never knew that you existed. And the barriers for being able to keep up are financial. You spend a lot of time in poverty before you can build up enough trust within the system that you're good for the rest of your life. One of the other barriers is, of course, the bias, which has been, you know, proven at this point that there's a lack of trust for people that don't look like you. So people who are in charge feel comfortable handing over a budget or a day of work 
to folks that they feel in their gut like they can trust. And we know that we live in a world where we don't trust women, people of color, anyone who feels like they might make us uncomfortable. A really big part of the diversity movement is to make sure that everybody will be judged based on the content of their character and the content of their art, as opposed to whether or not you make the boss feel comfortable. It's showbiz. Nobody should feel comfortable, right? If you want comfortable, <laughs> you could go into, you know, insurance, but this is the art. If you want to hear a story that you've never heard before, go to a storyteller that you've never seen represented before, and you'll get a perspective that will blow your mind. How did BIPOC TV and film get started? Natalie Younglai is the founder of BIPOC TV and film. She is a graduate from a now defunct program that the Writers Guild of Canada had to encourage diverse voices in the business. And she created a safe space for the grads of that program to be able to talk about their situation, their fears, their discomfort, their triumphs, and their joys. And it was called Creatives of Color, and that was in 2012. And that grew over the next couple years. I joined in 2015. And at that point, we were a handful of creatives across the board with, you know, a few hundred people involved in the secret Facebook group. And in that time, in the last five years, we are now almost 1,500 members strong. And we have connections to some of the most powerful filmmakers in Canada, institutions in Canada, and we work to provide training workshops, informational panels. We do a lot of advocacy work behind the scenes to dismantle barriers that have been built into the system that are biased. There's a lot of barriers within the union about their grandfathering in clause. There's a lot of paperwork involved in joining the unions where you have to know other union members. And we just want to make sure that intake in the unions actually is representational of the stories that we're telling and the world that we live in. We mm -hmm. also take on work to help institutions that already exist have a better understanding of what they can do in their hiring practices. And it's not just about hiring BIPOC into entry-level positions, but actually dismantling some of the positions that have been traditionally held by white folks and to invite diversity at the upper levels as well. We do a lot of networking events so that our community can hang out with each other and make plans and make movies. We have lots of great job opportunities to work with each other through the site. And we've had a lot of other producers reach out to us to look for people. We are looking over a website called filmincolor.ca. And that is a database of BIPOC crew and creative that are ready to be hired. They're union, non-union. They're at definitely different levels. We have some of the great Canadian filmmakers in there. And we have new up-and-coming people who are just graduating from Humber this year. Tell me more about the educational side of the group's work, the workshops and panels and so on. I could talk about the workshop I'm currently in. I'm just wrapping up this amazing boot camp by TV and Film Starters. They grabbed, I think, around 30, 50 of us. So it's a boot camp for kids TV writing, which as with most of the industry, does not have a lot of BIPOC creators in it. So 
So Natalie Young Lai, John May made this four month boot camp where twice a week we would tune into guest speakers and learn how to like write a script, write an outline. We work alongside an industry mentor as well and have so much insight of what to do, how to pitch, how to become a, a successful writer, essentially. And yeah, like learn how to get in the room and get these contests, get networked. Don't be afraid to email and like reach out. And it's nice to see that we have both BIPOC and white guest speakers. And it's nice to see that they are looking for BIPOC and they are allies in the industry as well. We get a lot of calls in from animation studios and kids showrunners who are directly headhunting right out of the kids TV boot camp. We couldn't be prouder to see that the industry is responding to our training programs as the go-to, the new default. The other programs that I'd love to mention is that we did a story coordinator panel in February, and we expected, you know, 30 people, and we ended up getting 120 people signing up. So there's a really strong need to have these educational programs, and there isn't another place that's providing them to the same extent that we are. We also do a lot of panels. We've had lots of guest speakers come in. One of the jewels in our crown has been we did a networking session between BIPOC and CBC executives in order to learn better how to pitch them, how to approach them with a pitch deck. This was an amazing opportunity for those who got to attend the first session. And we'll do another one of those when we're allowed to gather again post-COVID. And I also want to mention some of the volunteers in BIPOC TV and film, they create great initiatives like empowering Black screenwriters where they're trying to get writing programs for Black screenwriters because Final Draft is expensive. Yeah, we've been in talks with Final Draft and building a relationship with them to go forward and make sure that everyone who signed up for the program is going to have access through discount codes. And we're stoked about that partnership for sure. And tell me more about the advocacy side of the group's work. As a group, we're stronger. And as a group, we can stand up for folks that really, truly put themselves at risk if they feel injustice. This is a business that is hard. It's harsh. It's asking folks to pay their dues with long hours. And there are certain things that were allowed to pass back in the day because I think there was sort of a sense that anyone who got into the film business was getting into the film business because they could afford to. You know, they had Mm. some financial support from family or, you know, if you look statistically at who's been allowed to enter the film business, we're looking at middle class, upper middle class, white men who have family money, And that really grassroots, down and dirty indie spirit is the world that I grew up in in the 90s, that Robert Rodriguez selling his blood to fund his films kind of stuff was a real inspiration for me growing up at film school. And we see that scrappy initiative building something out of nothing, certainly over the last 20 years as the technology has become more advanced. But One of the elements that we've been really serious about is making sure that anyone who is working in the film industry is protected with a livable wage. And if their work can be covered by a union or a guild, that they should be covered by a union or a guild. 
that to us feels like a no-brainer. So most recently, we've been advocating for story coordinators to be represented by the Writers Guild of Canada. There is a position called script coordinator, which is a crew position that's covered under IATSE. Uh, That's a union that represents many crew-type roles in the film industry. And so we've taken up the reins to make sure that the Writers Guild, IOSI, the CMPA, which is the producer's organization, and we all have a sit down and have a conversation about how the industry can become a safer place for folks just starting out in it. And one of the main reasons why we decided to do this is because this position has often been touted as the diverse position. So as diversity initiatives grew more popular in the last five years. It's not that the white writers have taken a step to the side to make space for BIPOC writers. It's that BIPOC individuals have been hired in a story coordinator position. So not only do they have all of the duties of the job, but they're often the only person of color in the room and have to be a touchstone for racism, for experiences, sometimes experiences that don't belong to their own culture. And there was a real sense that there can only be one diverse person in the room, and that person was the entry-level position. So we at BIPOC TV and Film are advocating that if that is the case for now, at least that person should be paid a fair livable wage and have the protections of being under a benefit system that a guild or a union has. So that's the most recent example of the advocacy work that we have been doing. And frankly, the one that I feel the most comfortable talking about, because the rest of the stuff has been through conversations between individuals, but we've helped facilitate those conversations. In other parts of the labor movement, you can often find things like internal anti-racism or equity committees within locals, within federations, and so on. Is that something that's part of the unions in the film and television sector? If you had asked me that question a month ago, I would have a different (laughs) answer than I do now. They say it, but will they do it? That's exactly why we exist. Mm -hmm. BIPOC TV and film, our phones have been ringing off the hook. Our email has been inundated with, like, we're starting a task force, we're starting a committee, we're starting a diversity committee, we're starting a safe space. We need help, we need help, we need help. And (laughs) we are happy to support their efforts. But ultimately, we are here to provide services for our community, and Mm -hmm. we are happy to sit on their committees if they take our presence seriously. So we are definitely speaking with a lot of different folks in all sorts of different levels, from production companies to networks. Bell Media has asked us to take three chairs for their task force, and part of that is so that we can make sure that they actually follow through on all of their ideas. The follow through is more important than getting it right. Doing something is essential. There's no excuses now. What is the current anti-racist upsurge in the broader society meaning for the group's work and the space you have to push the group's agenda forward? I just want to say that we don't have an agenda. What we're doing is we're opening up opportunities for a more holistic industry. The time is now to break down the internalized bias. We're in quarantine. You have no reason why you can't read the book. 
you have the internet. There's no reason why you can't mm-hmm. expose yourself to situations. We are watching the violence against Black and Indigenous bodies in real time as videos are being uploaded. And people are seeing for themselves that this is real. We have to dismantle the way the world has been working because it doesn't fit for everybody. It's been destroying the environment. It's been dividing countries. And the world is a very dangerous place for people to just live their everyday lives. And film and television or the creative movement, the art, are the people who affect hearts and minds. What we do for a living is we talk about the issues and what we need to do is we need to change that narrative and the people to do it is BIPOC TV and film community because they have all of the creative ideas on how to change that. This is a legitimate Mm. conversation about how to make everyday folks be safer in the world and the way we do that is by having those talks on TV where it is safe. And what we need to be talking about is what are the alternatives? And we can be brave enough to tell those stories. I mean, does that sound like an agenda? Maybe that is an agenda. (laughs) Change the world. (laughs) The agenda is to change the world. How will the industry be different as BIPOC TV and film succeeds in its work? I think it's going to be colorful. I think it's going to be more transparent in terms of like who's getting paid what and who's in the room and who has power. Everything's being exposed now. There is no excuse. There's no excuse of why you're on hiring BIPOC people. The variety part is the most essential part. One of the things we're going to see is we're going to see less stories about Muslim folks as terrorists and white Mm -hmm. folks as the people who are saving us from terrorism. I think we're going to see a lot less slave narrative or gangster narrative. I think we're going to see a lot more family stories where we see like family units that actually love each other, you know, the dismantling of tropes. Mm -hmm. But I think what I'm the most excited about is we're going to see people of color in comedy. We're going to see people of color in every level. And the gentle shifts are going to be transformational. It will be a lot more people being able to take over creative control again of their own narratives and not have people who sit at desks tell them whether or not they believe something like that would actually happen. The other thing is that we'll see a lot more diversity in employment. So it won't be the same old people getting the same funding over and over and over again. And we're hoping that there will be a revitalization in the independent production spirit. I mean, I could go on. I've got so many blue sky (laughs) things. I want the world to be a safer place for all of us. And while the world fights to defund the police, we are fighting to refund the independent creative world to be able to tell their stories their way. What we're asking for is the dominant culture to put themselves in our shoes for once to see what the world is like from our perspective and then therefore maybe stop killing people because they see our lives as disposable. You have been listening to my interview with Gillian Mueller and Tony Tran about BIPOC TV and film. To learn more about the group, go to BIPOCTVandFilm.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to TalkingRadical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.